filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster I visited the great city of Washington, D.C. this weekend. I, I don't get up there as much as I should. Uh, it's the other part of having a toddler is that you can't travel anywhere or do anything except on a very planned out and regimented schedule. But You also have make- Woodbridge in between you and... I was going to bring this up, but Woodbridge, uh, Streff, (laughs) I'm not sorry about Woodbridge being terrible. The stretch of 95 that goes through Woodbridge is the worst section of interstate on the Atlantic seaboard, or at least the worst stretch I regularly drive. That's for sure. It's bad. It always – it doubled my time from Richmond to D.C., and I got to get out of it because I can spend – 45 minutes on Woodbridge and nobody wants that. So I won't. Um, but I did make it up to DC, uh, for a long weekend. Uh, and I did happen to meet up with our good friend and podcast host, Adam Taylor at an Italian bakery that is very near his house. And, uh, my family was there. Adam's family was there. We were getting delicious foods. Uh, we were, uh, I got, uh, croissants and, uh, the delightful person behind the counter, he gave my daughter just some free pieces of bread that she proceeded to devour. And then he also made fun of me for uh, my pronunciation of croissant. Uh, uh, I got, He knows Adam uh, decently well, and so he knew that I was also from the Midwest, just based on my friendship with Adam and my accent. And uh, then he uh, was also making fun of me for uh, not knowing... 60s country music that mentioned Cincinnati, which, okay, I, I know a lot of things about Cincinnati, and I didn't know that one. And uh, yeah, so if you have the opportunity to get made fun of in a completely genial way by the owner or the uh, one of the uh, one of the proprietors, one of the proprietors of a delicious Italian bakery, all in good fun, I, I highly recommend it. And so. If you happen to be on North Capitol Street, go to this bake- bakery, Catania Bakery. It's good. It's only open very rarely, so you have to yeah, find it out. It's, it's, you, you might see Adam there. You might. Uh, it's only open really on Friday and Saturday mornings, and we like to go on Saturday mornings shortly after they open and get croissants and Italian bread and whatever else. Um, the chocolate croissants the are really are, good. The strawberry croissants are extremely good. Man, you didn't even have the almond croissants. Those are my jam. Uh, yeah, the owner's a sounds like a, a French lot of fun lady. To not it was get great. To. I mean, <laughs> by you guys specifically, we got our kids together. You. Jason, do you have a child? Was this a child only occasion? Like, no, let's it, say did, yes, did, so you don't feel did, left out. Did the owners have children present of at the bakery? Were there children of them? There was a great. There was a grandchild present. So they I had think. a child as well. Yeah. You guys held an ad hoc must have a child only <laughs> event 
at a bakery. And that is why I wasn't invited because you doubted my ability to show up with a child. Is that were you going to steal? Were you going to steal a child? Don't worry about how I get a child. <laughs> That's between me and the child. <laughs> and possibly the child's parents. Probably their parents. <laughs> it would be on the up and up. I have plenty of friends that have children. It would be a re- weird request, but, uh, you know. All right. Next time Ben comes up to <laughs> DC and stays adjacent to my neighborhood and exactly we meet up, this then we will let you know ahead of time. Okay. And I will, I will touch base on the the children aspect. You're also free to come in and go to the bakery without a child on your own recognizance. That might be easy. It'll be less fun, but it'll probably also be easier. Anyway, we'll see how wacky and zany and madcap uh, this scheme can become. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and totally above board child borrowing podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. Is there above board child borrowing? Sure. If your friend is like, yes, your child, I'm sending you off with my child to this bakery for for a couple hours and everything during that time is just, you know, you look out for the child's safety and then you take them back at the appointed time. Everyone knows each other. Okay. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Ben I'm Bromley and Jason Anderson. <laughs> We're all mad here. We're all from blackandredunited.com as well, where we cover soccer. Um, this Please week, there's a lot to this podcast. Don't turn it off <laughs> now. Um, this week, we, we have more Women's World Cup content on the, the website than DC United stuff, but... This podcast is about DC United, and so that's what we're focused on. We are going to spend the first segment looking back at the 2019 season so far and, and ahead at what's to come. Uh, in the second segment, we will preview DC United's U.S. Open Cup game this Wednesday night against the Philadelphia Union. That'll be on Buzzard Point, Audi Field, 7 o'clock. Watch it on ESPN Plus if you can't get there because it's U.S. Open Cup. Uh, and, and all the U.S. Open Cup is on ESPN Plus, and it's wonderful. It's great. I highly recommend it. Um, if you can't get to the stadium, which cheap tickets go to the stadium, if you can, why not? Anyway, we're going to talk about all that. Before we do, though, we have a tradition here. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking uh, Patron Silver, and that is it. There's nothing in it. There's no accompaniment. Okay. Ice? Nope. Okay. Benjamin? I am loopy tonight because I am sick from my aforementioned vacation, but I power, I try to power through for you, the listener. Uh, I have bourbon. I have simple syrup. I have uh, uh, soda water. I have lime juice. All of those are in separate containers. Not, not really, um, but I'm drinking that together and it's fine. I guess. I don't know. I can't so really taste anything because I'm sick. So who knows what kind of happen. A sweetened bourbon Ricky? Or a fizzy whiskey sour? Maybe. Uh, I Last week, Jason um, had me pining for uh, a, a summer beer of the yours. Fjords. 
no, no, not the fjords, a summer beer of yore. Uh, I, I understand the confusion and, and, you know, being a dead parrot myself, obviously I understand the confusion. Jason's a zucchini. I'm a dead parrot. We don't know what Ben is. I was pining for dead rise, uh, from flying dog brewery, their summer ale that has old Bay in it. And, uh, my wonderful wife, uh, listens to the podcast. Um, and and she heard that and she's like i have seen that recently and she went to uh the the wine and beer store and grabbed a six pack of it and brought it home she's like here i got this for you and i said thank you you're the best because she is and so i am drinking dead rice right now which i don't know if it always had lemon in it but now it has a little bit of lemon brewed in it as well i don't think Um, it it always had lemon no i don't think it did before no it definitely does now though uh and it it definitely it's in cans now too. It, it's also in cans. Yeah, it's. Uh, I haven't seen it in bottles this year. I think it might be a canned beer now. Which summer beers in cans makes makes some sense if you're going yes. to a beach, if you're going yeah. to a park, if you're going uh, looking for it in you know the coolers, and you're looking amongst bottles, you might not see it because it might not be in bottles anymore. I don't. Yeah, know. it was in it, it was just, in a boxed six, six pack. Yeah. Um, the rest is not, good. Dead Rise is very good. Even with yeah. lemon in it, it's very good. It's it's not quite the same. The Old Bay doesn't punch you quite as much as it used to. Right. But I could definitely see this being more, um, a little bit more easy to drink outside on a hot day as opposed right. to in the air conditioning. Um, so I, I completely understand why they went the direction they did. And it's still very good. And I'm happy that I have it now. So, yay, my wife. Indeed. Shall Did we you, talk about DC United? Are, are we on the internet and you're not going to do a Borat voice for that? Yeah, I, I am sternly. We can I choose a, not to. We can choose. I'm very to not doing a Borat voice there. <laughs> Any, anyone is free to do it, but I choose not to. I, I, I thought about it, but I also chose not to. I did right. it. It's, so I could choose not to. I set myself up to choose not to do that. I just I feel like it's not very online of you. That's, Have you met right. me? <laughs> uh, I am not winning your your most online NWSL player for several reasons. Or most online podcaster. I don't think that's an award. It, it might be now. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you guys just created the most online <laughs> podcaster award. Good luck in awarding it. I, I support you in this endeavor. DC United's regular season 2019 campaign is now half over. They've played 17 games. They have 17 games left to play. And uh, through those games, nine of them at home, eight of them away, United have 27 points, 23 goals for, 18 against for goal differential plus five. They're currently second on tied for second on points in MLS's Eastern Conference. They fall to third on the wins tiebreaker because Montreal has one more win and uh, three fewer ties. And I think they've also played a game more. They also have a negative goal differential with Montreal's weird, but we're not talking about them. That's rare for uh, Montreal. Usually they have like zero games played at the halfway point and then they make them all up on the back end. Yeah, but they're, they're going different this year, uh, except they're exactly the same. Like I said, we're not talking about Montreal though. Uh, DC United black and red have the fourth best points per game in the East, the fifth best goal differential, uh, they they've dealt with injuries mostly on the back line <laughs> this year, and that's definitely been an ongoing uh, thread throughout the season. They haven't quite had the same production from 
Luciano Acosta and Wayne Rooney as they did at the back half of last year. All that being out there, general broad feelings on the first half of the season. Ben. I mean, recency bias is playing in. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. Overall, it is good. But it's not as good as it could be, and it's not as good as I wanted it to be after the first quarter of this season. And like you said, a lot of that is Luciano Costa not playing at his 2018 level until like the past two or three games. But that was also balanced by the fact that the defensive midfield and the defense have not been playing at a 2018 level uh, more recently. And so we've got to find a way or the, not we, the, the team has to find a way to get those two parts clicking together. They've got to find 2018 Luciano Acosta who's playing well now and merge him with the defensive midfield and defense of 2018, which was playing like that at the beginning of the season. And when those parts all start clicking together, this can be a, east winning team potentially but they haven't done it they haven't put it all together yet so far uh and the fact that they're still second third in the east is good but it's not as good as i want it to be and it's not as good as we were all hoping it would be coming off of 2018 yeah i mean i guess on one hand you have to admit that this team's place in the standings based on the expectations coming into the season, you have to consider it a disappointment. Um, but we have to remember too, that like, it's not like it's been a disaster um, yeah. by any stretch. Um, the team is still well positioned. Um, you know, I, I figure at the end of when everyone else gets to 17, you know, obviously DC will have played a couple games, so it's never going to be a perfect match, but you know, they might be in like fourth at that point, uh, given Atlanta's recent points per game. Um, NYCFC has three in hand, um, but it's not a terrible situation to be in um, by any stretch. It's just that they've been a little off, a little below expectations in a lot of spots. Um, the injury issues that have come up have been sort of unexpected because the, it this isn't, you know, the muscular injury pattern has been the same since last year. It's just, you know, Joseph Mora gets hit in the face by a flying man. Um, that's the kind of thing that doesn't really happen very often. Um, and it turned out Joseph Mora was really important to the team. Um, you know, stuff like that, unfortunately, has been a factor. It, I certainly don't think you can say injuries are the only reason why this team isn't hitting the heights that maybe we expected preseason. Um, I, I do find myself a little more disappointed in that um, the stage was really set for DC to run away with the East. Uh, The East hasn't been that great. Um, I think if DC had played up to expectations, they would be in the, in the race with LAFC for the supporter shield. I don't think they'd be as good as LAFC, which is on a kind of trajectory that could set some, uh, you know, they could be up there with, TFC from a couple of years ago and, and DC in 98, they, they could be that good um, if they can keep up what they've been doing. But um, the East has been vulnerable and it should be a conference that DC should have run away with. So it feels like a missed opportunity. Um, but on the other hand, 
I could definitely see with just mild improvement, DC still winning the East. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have any doubts that with just, just a little improvement, they're not far from it. Um, the only team that I look at and say, oh, that team is also possibly just as good is Philly. Um, which is unfortunate for Wednesday because it means playing a very good team in the open cup rather than someone that's not very good. Um, but them's the breaks. Um, but yeah, I, it's disappointing to be in this spot, but at the same time, I, I think we have to remember that it's not like the team has been bad. It's just that they've been when, when they've come up a little short, it's been frustratingly short. Um, they haven't had yeah. too many bad games. They haven't even had too many bad halves. It's just been, not enough great halves or great games. Yeah, this team has been yeah, frustrating is is I think the right word, but like you guys said, the expectations are why they were frustrating. If this team had started off last year in similar form, we would have been over the moon, I think, because we didn't expect anything from that first half of the year. But after the run in last year at Audi Field where they were nigh unbeatable coming out of the gate strong this year too with the the win over atlanta the win over rsl they just after joseph moore's injury and the four nothing loss to lafc they haven't been the same team and they they haven't quite put it all together when they do figure out the attack something goes wrong in the defense when they the defense is locked in they can't get anything going at the the offensive end of the field. And I I think Jason's framing is, is where I come at it too, where it was a missed opportunity because the East was there to be taken and United could have run away and, and hid and, and set themselves up to be able to figure things out during the summer and ease in some new acquisitions and be really geared up to go into the playoff run, both in a good position in the standings and, you know, being good personnel wise and, and, and everything. And now they're going to have to to play a little more. They're going to have to get results over the summer in a way they, with, with a higher pressure than maybe they would have had to. And I don't know, maybe that ends up being good last year. They had their backs against the wall and they responded really, really well. Maybe they'll do that again, but I, I think they are definitely a playoff team in the East, even as teams like Atlanta and NYCFC start to figure things out. Toronto gets Josie Altidore back and, integrates Pozuelo more, you know, the teams in the East that, that have underperformed even worse than DC United this year are, are starting to figure things out. And that's where I think the opportunity is really missed is United had a chance to really put some distance between them and the other preseason contenders. And they, they haven't done it. Um, I mean, the people under the line right now in the East are not anything to be, happy about beating it's orlando city and chicago or the first two under the line so right but but i mean that's because atlanta and nycfc have recently put themselves back above the line yeah i mean uh, early in the year the the bottom three teams in the east were atlanta nyc and the red bulls which was hilarious and beautiful but that it was never going to be like that for for the whole season um so yeah I, i feel very ambivalent about the first half of this year where it it could have been very rah, rah if they had kept the form from those first few games. And obviously they didn't. And Joseph Moore was a big part of that. And I think 
the things you laid out, Ben, too, were were a big part of that, where the attack's just not quite working. And here and there, just little things not quite coming off. And you you make that small adjustment and everything clicks into place. And hopefully they, they can do that. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little more later in the segment. Uh, I do want to look back over the the last 12 months, not just the the first half of this year, and and just kind of take stock. I, I mentioned that the if United had been in this place a year ago, halfway through the season last year, we would have been thrilled. Um, and and a lot has changed in that year. Obviously, Audi Field opening, uh, Wayne Rooney arriving, Loudon United launching, which has already started to to pay dividends in the form of uh, homegrown players that are able to get games and then come in and integrate into the first team or integrate into the youth national team and take their game to another level. You got Donovan Pines, Griffin Yao. Um, So I don't know if you guys have other on-field, off-field stories or you have any of those that you want to dive into, but I'll just yield the floor to you, Jason. It Overall, it feels like covering a different team. Um, then it was, um, not just, you know, it's one thing to be in the different building, but, um, to, to have Loudon there and, and Loudon's been good. Um, especially considering how, how, uh, backs against the wall, throwing it together. It was at the last minute. Um, they are not far from a playoff spot. You have to assume they're going to get a little better, uh, because they've, again, they've been figuring that out the whole time it's been on the, fl- the seat of their pants. Um, so that's been a really impressive thing. Um, yeah, I, I think a year ago we didn't really know exactly what was going to happen, uh, whether the stadium was going to rejuvenate the team at this time last year, we weren't sure if Rooney was going to sign or not. Um, a year ago, we were still talking about Mario Balotelli, um, which, you know, hopefully There's an that alternate universe where that happened. And right. And we and were all horribly wrong. Hopefully that strikes everyone as to how long ago. Cause when I say that it feels like something that happened in 2014 and not a year ago. Um, but that's where we are. Um, that's how much things have changed. Uh, you know, a, a team with, with not just with Wayne Rooney, but with multiple highly rated um, players from the Argentine league. These were guys that DC wasn't getting. Um up until very, very recently. I mean, the press conference to bring Ariola and Stieber um, and Canals all in, that was August of 2017. That was less than two years ago. Um, it really does feel, you know, in the, in the 12 months that we're talking about it, it just a ton has changed. Um, a lot of it is good. Not all of it is good. Um, the the broadcast deal, which we have talked about a bunch, is is among the problems, not financially, uh, but otherwise. Um, but it's mostly been this organization is moving towards where it needed to be. Um, they are filling in the gaps of a healthy MLS club that were there in the past. Um, they're drawing more attention from more. You know, I know we don't really enjoy the random summer friendlies, but um, they do come with some positives i mean this um french league uh series of of games i assume is coming with a hefty uh fee for use of the facilities that's a a big plus that's a thing that would not have happened at rfk 
Um, and if it did happen at RFK, DC United wouldn't see any of that money. Yeah. And, you know, it's also it's a networking opportunity with clubs that um, are frankly better at scouting uh, around the world than DC United is. Um, these things all they are. They're all little things, but they all add up. And some I mean, some of them are big things. I mean, Rooney and Audi Field are big deals. Um, Loudon is a big deal. Um, but, you know, it's it's significant progress that I don't know that we all necessarily expected to happen within this time frame. We thought, okay, maybe they'll get the stadium done. Maybe Rooney will get done and maybe that'll be it. Um, but it hasn't been, it maybe hasn't been perfect. Uh, it hasn't been um, enough in certain categories, but it's definitely been, it, it strikes me that covering DC United sounds a lot like covering the other clubs that have done things right. When I talk to, the folks that cover LAFC or Seattle um, or TFC, it sounds very similar, uh, which it did not used to sound similar at all. Yeah. United is finally growing in the same way that MLS is. And hopefully I, I, I think the league's trajectory is going to remain on that kind of growth, both spending on the field, spending off the field, being smarter about where your money goes in, into scouting and and sports science and keeping players healthy and developing players from young ages and and all of it just being a part of the global soccer ecosystem and united is there right now where where they need to be with the league they're not right at the vanguard but they are definitely in in the pack towards the front of the pack i would argue um, and hopefully we see them continue those kinds of investments and and not decide to sit on their laurels because that would definitely change things because as we saw when they were at RFK and they were forced to just kind of sit still for several years and we saw how far behind they got, they caught up all at once. It feels like, and now they have to keep moving forward to, to stay with the pack. Speaking of, of looking forward, uh, we've got a little break here for the gold cup. United comes back later this month towards the end of June uh, to get back into regular season play. Um, how do we feel looking forward? The the team I mentioned hasn't won since May 12th. They haven't looked like they did the first few games of the year when they, they cruised past Atlanta and they, they crushed RSL punishing them for, for any mistakes that they made and, and used that selective press, uh, really, really lethally, I would say, um, where do they go from here? The transfer window opens July 9th. So they're going to have a few games before it opens, but we, we know Ben Olsen has said that they have a couple of targets that they're, they're looking to bring in even potentially right at the beginning of that window. Uh, we've got players returning from injury. Ben, what, what is the thing you want to focus on as the team moves forward with the rest of the season? I think my first thing, even I think my first thing is a, another striker. Uh, Wayne Rooney is great. Obviously he's been transformative for this team, but the drop off between him and Quincy Marroqua is just enough that they need somebody else who can do 30 minutes, who can do 20 minutes, who can spot start when there are seven games in, in a month and a half or however strange uh, MLS schedules get that that's my number one. I think my number two right now is a Tam level center back. I, 
Steve Birnbaum is great. Stephen Birnbaum is great. Uh, but I think if they get a Tam level person next to him, they can take that next step and they can help. If the defensive midfield has a substandard game, having a center back at that level can help uh, paper over that and not make uh, the defensive lapses be so obvious. So those are my two. Those are my two right now is uh, another striker and then a Tam level center back that could hopefully start uh, right when he comes into the team. I'm I'm going to be watching fullbacks coming back from injury. Um, we saw Chris Adui Acham come back from, from Hodgkin's lymphoma and look pretty darn good on the left side and potentially could be a, a starter there, at least until Joseph Moore comes back. Having a couple of guys there on the left side, I think, as Jason said, and as we've talked about in the past, really helps this team be able to press in those those moments when they fire the press up to 11 and turn the ball over or force the other team to turn the ball over in really dangerous spots. That's when United are at their best because it's, it's transition and that's where Lucho can shine, but it's not a full field transition. They don't have to go past multiple lines of defense. They can just have the defense scrambling and just play one or two passes and be in having somebody come back from injury at left back and be able to plug in there and play at a starters level is I I think going to be huge for this team. Um, Donovan Pines might be the one I'm most excited about though, coming back from injury, especially not knowing who's going to come in over the summer. Yamil Assad, please be Yamil Assad. Donovan Pines was so impressive in his, his first few games and they played in that three back system. I would love to see him alongside Stephen Birnbaum and see what the two of them can do as a partnership, especially if Pines is able to, to get on the field and practice during this break um, and get some reps in with, with Birnbaum and with the the starters around him. I would think that he would be able to make that transition, but you never know until it happens. So that's one of the things I would hope to see, I guess, but who knows, Jason. Uh, for me, I think I think I'm with Ben on adding a forward, but I, what I really want in, in that role is someone that can change the complexion of how United plays. I don't just want a less good Rooney. Um, so you want doing, Darren Maddox? I essentially still want Darren Maddox. Um, I really think this team needs vertical speed. Um, I think they need, if it's not going to be a forward, then it has to be, the attacking midfielder. And if that means not adding Yamil Assad and getting someone who is faster for that role, then so be it. Um, I think this team has to find not just, I I mean, speed as a starter, fine. Um, If someone comes in and they're better than Paul Ariola and Lucas Rodriguez, that's awesome. Um, But you don't find guys like that at the price point that DC is probably going to be shopping at, which is more Tam than um, designated player. So um, yeah, I, I, my first priority though, is one more attacker that's definitely in the rotation. I don't want a fast guy who isn't actually all that good. Otherwise, um, you know, no disrespect, so no but Dom Duro. exactly. I, that's exactly what I was going about to say. <laughs> is, is I don't want a Dom Duro, though. I think he would make an impact. It's not enough. It wouldn't be a season changing impact. Um, 
but yeah, United needs a genuine speed threat um, as fast as Ariola or faster. They need someone that can open the field up um, because when games get one note and DC is playing at that one speed and they aren't quite breaking through, um, oftentimes last season, a lot of times when Maddox came in, maybe he's not scoring the goal or even getting the assist, but he opened up the field. And all of a sudden you find the game gets stretched out more. Rooney has more space to operate. Lucho has more space to operate and someone else gets the goal. Um, That threat isn't there right now. Uh, And with some of the faster defensive teams, they don't even really have to worry that much about Areola. Um, And we already, we've, talk to death about how much of an impact Ariola makes on this team when he's not in the attack. So yeah, this team desperately needs to add attacking speed, whether it's that, you know, a third forward in the mix or whether it's a winger. I, I do understand the argument that maybe one more winger might not necessarily be necessary given how that, um, given how uh, Griffin Yao is playing right now um, that, you know, he's playing well enough that there's plenty. I've gotten plenty of tweets. I, I think we've all gotten tweets that are basically about Yao replacing Segura in, or moving up the ladder above Segura. So, um, but however it gets sorted out and it probably gets sorted out by moving Zoltan Stibra along first and foremost. Um, yeah. That's, that's the must for me is, is if this attack isn't faster, I don't necessarily think that, the team is going to get better. I think they'll make the playoffs. No problem. Um, third, fourth place, something like that. But I don't think they have much more of a ceiling without that additional speed. Um, you can improve. And I've been saying that there's room to grow with the team as is. And I still believe that, but I also am having trouble convincing myself that there's enough room to grow to actually try and win something this year. And I think they should be trying to win something this year. This is a team that's supposed to be trying to win something every year. And this is a year, so they should be trying to win something. in it. <laughs> I, I like how you close the loop there right at the end. You mentioned Zoltan Stieber potentially moving on this summer. I think that's definitely something to watch. There's also the possibility some other players, move on Lucho being uh, the, the very small elephant in the room. We, he, he hasn't played up to the level he did last year. It, it'll be interesting to see if any offers come in this summer that the team feels they have to consider. We know it, it happened during, during preseason from PSG fell apart. Obviously um, we'll, we'll see if anything else comes through this summer once the during during the european summer transfer window which is longer than than mls's because that's their main transfer window it's not their secondary window like it is over here um but lucho's obviously a name we have to worry about potentially leaving especially since he's out of contract at the end of the year we don't know what his contract situation is going to be at this point, whether he'll leave on a free or he'll, he'll leave this summer or, or sign a new contract. Who knows? Um, and and Christer, it could all happen in a, a, it could happen very quickly. All of that yes. stuff could happen like the PSG situation where you're coasting along and thinking that things are more or less settled. And then all of a sudden, you know, a freak out happens. Yes. Um, yeah, that all happened kind of literally overnight, the PSG yeah. situation. Um, Chris Durkin was just at the U-20s. I think um, 
it's fair to say he didn't have the tournament he wanted to personally, probably. Um, there, there are a few games where he just didn't quite look like his usual self out there. And um, so, nevertheless, he was at the U20. That's one of the biggest shop windows in the world. Could get an offer for his rights uh, at, at some point this summer. Who knows? There could also be stuff for for Junior Moreno, who's who's really impressing with Venezuela for um, a lot of players on this team, frankly, that that could turn heads overseas because United's pretty good and they have good players. So, um, I mean, something let, to watch out for. Let's let's not forget that uh, DC United doesn't have the final say about where Bill Hamid goes at the end of this year. So. Uh, Michelin yeah. could just do whatever they want with uh, Bill Hamid's rights going forward, and DC United has no no say in the matter, really. Yeah, it's a, that's a really good point. Um, that I, I'm, we probably the three of us probably haven't talked about it enough. I, I don't think anyone uh, that covers DC has talked about it enough, or or fans even. Um, the fact that, as I said back in the day, I don't know if I said it on the show or if I wrote it on the site, but. Um, the idea from Michelin always felt to me more like prospecting rather than um, definitely planning on him being their goalkeeper of the future because they had just signed a guy like six months before that who was a Denmark international who became their starter and they were on a roll at the time. So it always felt to me like with him. Yeah. And so it always felt to me like they were like, look, this guy is good. Let's get him in um, so that he's under, you know, our auspices. And then if, if someone comes along with a bid, we can sell him for a profit. Um, that still could happen. There's nothing stopping um, other than Hamid saying, I don't want to do that. Um, there's nothing necessarily stopping him from ending up playing for some other club in Denmark or some club in France or who knows where. Um, a lot of clubs have enough money to afford the probable transfer fee involved there. So um, that's one to keep an eye on. Um, it seems like he prefers to be here. It seems like he's happy to be back. Um, but who knows? We, we don't actually know what's going to go from that because um, for United to make that permanent would hamper their ability to do some other things in this window. Um, it would probably be a good idea, but it might not be the right time. And as we saw with Yamil Assad, timing can be very important in these things. So a lot mixed bag for the first half of the season and mixed bag going forward. We don't know what to expect. There's a, the the downside of being part of the, the global soccer ecosystem is people come and take your things that you love. And sometimes that's better for the players that you love and also for the team, but it still isn't always fun. It's it's better. I will say it's better than where things used to be, where we yes. just we did not feel like I, I don't I, speaking for myself. I did not feel like DC United was necessarily part of that ecosystem. Um, that stuff felt like it was a thousand miles away and it was never going to come here. And it, it was like being in like a small town and, and hearing about goings on in the big city. And it's like, well, that doesn't concern me. That's never going to happen. That's uh, it might as well be on Mars. Um, yeah. RFK was a terrarium and now we're in nature. <laughs> basically. And that's a weird note, so I'm going to end the the first segment there. We will be right back to talk about the Philadelphia Union. Stick around. It's filibuster. Hey Ben, um you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. 
depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United's quest for a fourth Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup title starts Wednesday and not at the Maryland Soccerplex. We talked about all the changes in the last year. This one will be at Audi Field down on Buzzard Point. DC United will host the Eastern Conference leading Philadelphia Union, which is a weird, weird phrase to say and bad. I don't like it. Uh, it'll happen Wednesday night. On Buzzard Point, 7 p.m. There are cheap tickets. Go get one. If you can't make it, though, ESPN Plus Nationwide has the game. Matt Ralph is the co-managing editor over at SB Nation's Brotherly Game, our sister site. And he's come back on the show. He was nice enough to agree to, to return to help us preview this one. Matt, welcome back to Filibuster. Thanks for having me back. So between preseason... Seemingly every year in the U.S. Open Cup, even if it's not actually every year, it seems like it. And the many, many games we we that the Union and D.C. United see each other during the regular season. Are you tired of D.C. United yet? Wow, that's, a, that's an interesting question on a D.C. United podcast. But uh, probably, I would probably say no, and in in the sense that it has been a little bit a little bit of time since the last meeting in the Open Cup. So, and we haven't played each other yet this season. So. I would say uh, currently, no, I'm not, I'm not tired of DC yet. I, res- I accept that answer. Um, during the preseason, we on on this show, and I think on, on in some other venues as well, uh, agreed with us. We we kind of belittled, maybe even mocked Philadelphia's turn to a high pressing four four two diamond. It didn't make a lot of sense to us, um, but but. I, I guess the joke's on us. Philly's in first place. What What is working for the union right now? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You know, you look back at back to preseason and, you know, the, the expectation was that it was going to take some time to, I mean, it, it, not because of the system, just any new system, right? If you're going to implement it, preseason isn't a, isn't a ton of time. You don't get, you know, you don't get a lot of the, the, the level, at least you get in, regular season games to prepare for it. So, you know, the expectation was it was going to be, you know, several weeks, maybe even months before you, you kind of saw, you know, sort of the fruit of that. And it, it definitely, you know, the first two games they lost and then pretty much since then it's been, uh, you know, it's been 
you know, a great season for, for the union. So I think, I think, you know, there's been a couple of things that have, that have, that have worked in, in Jim's favor. I mean, the big one, and, uh, you know, certainly the talking point going on this week is, is the El Senio off the bench has been, has been, uh, you know, has been a, a, a huge factor for them coming back in games and just getting goals when they need them in the second half. And interestingly enough, El Senio coming off the bench basically kind of changes the, changes things back a little bit more to what they did before. You know, he comes in, you know, he plays still on that wing and, you know, they're, they're, their their four four two is is more of a you know the diamond midfield he's not necessarily he's not on that wing the way he is when he comes in and has been coming in as a substitute so so that's been a big thing that's been working that's kind of the 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 way Jim has changed the the formation the adaptations he's made in games and I think beyond the the formation change or the philosophy change that's been a big thing that that has been different for this team is that. You know, Jim's Jim seems to be making, you know, he's been making he's been making a lot more different types of decisions, some sub subs that we wouldn't have expected to see. And I think in past union union years, you could pretty much pencil in exactly what the subs are going to be at what what times in the game, and it's been a little bit less predictable. And I think the probably the most surprising thing has been that they've done. As well as they have with really without Marco Fabian in the lineup, he was their big off-season acquisition, and he's been limited to to very few games and um, through some suspension and, and, and ankle injury that's been keeping him out. And he's been in games where he's only been able to be a sub. So, so yeah, I mean, there's a, there's been a number of factors that have contributed to it, but really the big the big thing is that 61st minute to 90th minute. Where they've scored a huge chunk of their goals, and part of the, a lot of that credit has to go to Elsino for the way he's. I think he has like five assists in the, as a sub and three goals now as a sub. So, you know that's that's been a huge factor in and and their them being able to, like I said, come back either come back in games or or get goals when 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 there aren't aren't any goals in the game. So Matt, I, I I don't know I don't know if I would even call it a resurgence. It uh, it just seems like it's a surgence. Uh, what do you think has been the main factors in the union transitioning from a okay a bad to okay team for most of their time in MLS to now an MLS leading team? Is is there one thing that has changed so far this season? Is it just Ilsenio taking that next step or has there been uh, other things that have made this the year of the Philadelphia union? Well, you know, you, you could say Ernst Tanner, cause that's, that's been the, the, the biggest change in terms of the organization, but at the same time, when you say the two biggest signings that he's had were Marco Fabian and Sergio Santos, and they're not necessarily the guys who have been the, the it factor for them. So it, 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 it's hard to pinpoint one thing or uh, multiple things. But I think one thing that Ernst Tanner has done is he's brought in a different philosophy, a different approach. He's basically, from what it seems, it looks like he's given Jim Curtin a little more leeway to to kind of make some of these decisions or he's kind of maybe pushed him in a certain direction that he wasn't going in before. So, I mean, you know, you, you can't really argue with what Jim Curtin's doing. He's been, you know, three, three time now I'm lost coach of the week. And like I said, there's been, there've been 
there have been so many decisions, little de- little decisions in games that he's made that have have worked out in his favor. So I think it's um, you know it's just been a it's really been a combination of things. I think there there have been you know you know there's players who've been around who have been really contributing to the team. Obviously, El Senior, but Ali Bedoy is having another great season. Uh, Harris Badunian started off kind of kind of had a, had a rough go of it in the beginning. Adjust. He probably have. Everybody maybe had the, the the most difficult time adjusting to the the diamond midfield because he suddenly was playing as a six and he's not really a traditional six and they've had to they've had to work with that and then bringing in Jamiro Montero I think has been a huge that that was a huge acquisition which Ernst gets partial credit for I guess for finalizing it even though you know Chris Albright and under under Ernie Ernie Stewart they were they were already trying to work that work him work it out work it out for him to come to the union so i think once montero kind of came into the lineup and hit with him that kind of has helped stabilize that midfield even more and you know it's helped uh, helped harris harris because um montero's you know such a such a two-way midfielder so he kind of is able to provide some cover for madunian and where he's you know makes up for some of that um his his you know some of his uh, more weak, some of his weaknesses in terms of the defensive midfielder. Um, so I think it's you know it's a combination of things where you've had people who've been around who've obviously been been big contributors to the club, but then also Montero in the, in the midfield has been a huge thing. And then the addition of Brendan Aronson, obviously not a new player, but new to the first team, and you know he's someone who's who's been a, a, a key contributor to the team as well as a, as an 18 year old, which is you know, sort of been the promise for for years of the organization is that the academy was going to start paying off in terms of actual first team regular starting minutes, which you've seen with Trusty and McKenzie a little bit last year in, in the de- defense. But then seeing that as an, an attacking player, I think has been a has been a huge huge development for the club. So I I think we can. I think I can guess about uh, what your answer is going to be, given that we're all mired in the Gold Cup break right now. But is Jim Curtin going to start uh, basically all of his available starters uh, for this Open Cup game? Or is he going to try and rotate some players, rest some players, uh, give new players some opportunities uh, in the U.S. Open Cup? So the the international the five internationals is what yeah is, is sort of the big mystery there for that. So, uh, so, you know, I mean, he's not going to be able to start all the available. He's not going to be able to start all the players. He would be able to start in an MLS game. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> just because of the numbers. So you're going to have, you're going to have essentially a couple guys who aren't going to be able to see the field one or two, depending on Andre Blake's situation. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be the, the, the thing that's going to, Sort of be uh, be the, the the mystery in that, but then also, you know, he's the the lineup the the, the roster from the get go was smaller than it has been in, in years past, and so, you know, when we've when we've kind of looked at this team in in their previous runs to the Open Cup, you know, we've we've been looking at like a thirty player roster, and and and, and we're, you know, we started off much much smaller than I think it was it was twenty six or something to start the season, and then. We have the situation with uh, Corey Burke, who's who has visa issues, who's unavailable. Have the situation, with the the unknown situation with Marco Fabian now in terms of whether he's 
healthy. He wasn't healthy enough for Mexico. Is he healthy enough to play for the union? He is an international too. So, so there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of um, things like that, but um, Derek Jones was recently, recently dealt to Nashville. Uh, so he's, he's someone who you would have expected to, to, you know, probably start in a game like this, but he's no longer on the team. And, uh, he, you know, he's, you know, he was, he's with Nashville on loan and USL, that whole, that whole deal where <laughs> he's an MLS player playing in USL. But, um, you know, you, you could end up seeing a guy like Anthony Fontana, who's someone who hasn't, hasn't played a lot. You could see him come up, um, and, and play, play in the game. And, you, you know, you're, you're going to potentially, depending on how he wants to best utilize his international players, you could see one or two others who, who, aren't who haven't been playing a lot of minutes and you could also also just to fill the 18 he'll probably have to look to some short-term loans from 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 steel contract players to, to fill out the roster uh matt getting into um the goalkeeping situation you mentioned uh the issue with uh blake blake's on the gold cup roster for jamaica but the gold cup is in the u.s we've seen in years past sometimes guys that are on a gold cup roster magically appear for a game in MLS and then head back. Um, if, if Blake doesn't play, I know both um, Matt Freese and uh, Carlos Coronel have both gotten minutes this year. It's been sort of a weird situation where they even, you know, while we're talking, I've been looking at the last few games who was backing up Blake and for a few games it was Coronel. And then the last couple, um, it wasn't. So who do you think is actually going to end up in goal for this game? Well, I would, I would say that I, I would say that Blake likely is likely to, to get this, to get the go ahead again. Um, I mean, he, you know, he came back for Saturday's game. I think they do play their first game in Jamaica. So that could, that could create some <laughs> interesting conversation between the, the Jamaican Federation and the Philadelphia Union off front office. But I, I think what would be best for the Union, maybe not the best for, for DC, is that uh, for Andre Blake to play because he's not an international, uh, because they only have three keepers and one of those is an international, Carlos Miguel uh, Cornell, that, that, that then takes away another player that they can play. So, so even if if so if Blake can't play, then I would I think Freeze would get the start. Uh, that's just me guessing. I think he 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 seems to have a little bit of an edge on on uh, Cornell at this point in terms of getting those minutes in MLS. Uh, but then Cornell has to be on the bench, and then that 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 takes away an international player that you can play on the field. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the best case scenario for the union is that Blake plays. I think they're going to do everything they can to get him to play just because of that situation. Uh, but if not, I would say, uh, probably, I would say probably freeze, but then, then again, he's also only played a half of first deal, uh, since, uh, since he came back from injury. So that, that, that there's a question with that as well. Um, you've mentioned a couple guys that weren't around last year that maybe don't get, you know, Jamiro Montero doesn't get talked about enough, I think around the league. Um, another guy that I've been interested in, um, is Sergio Santos, uh, the Brazilian forward. Um, obviously the international question kind of throws a, you know, wrench in almost anyone, um, that's international outside of the absolutely essential guys. But, um, tell me a little bit about this guy. It seems like he maybe makes a a difference when he's in as compared to some of the other options. 
Yeah, I mean, Santos has been uh, kind of a kind of a mixed bag, I guess, in, in the sense that he hasn't been healthy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that was that was the issue starting off. I mean, he he had a had an injury in preseason that that kept him out a game or two. He then came into the season because of that wasn't fully fit to go ninety, so he came in was a substitute for a couple games, didn't do much, got a lot of fouls, <laughs> and then one game he appeared in, and then and then kind of re- had another injury, and then he came back from that, but then re-injured another. So it's been it's kind of been a, a stop start for him, and he has he has shown well in terms of when he's gotten time you know and he's gotten service and he's you know been able to uh to show what he has but he's still kind of still kind of an incomplete picture with him but i think one of the things what we have seen from him is is his pace is 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 pretty ridiculous and he's very very strong so he's he's going to be he's the type of player who can really kind of score ugly goals uh for lack of a better term you know he's not gonna he's not gonna you know uh, uh wow you with uh, a brilliant strike or, you know, dribble past a bunch of players and uh, score something, something pretty, but he's going to kind of go through people and he's going to, he's going to, ru- he's either going to go through, you, or he's going to run past you. <laughs> that seems to be his skill set. I mean, he had, he had a play. I, I, I can't say I've seen really before against Minnesota where he got the ball in the box and he took it completely to the other, to the Minnesota goal. And, really had a great chance to score because no one, no one ever really caught up to him. The sense, the sense was a little bit questionable there, but, and then he shot, he took, he pushed his shot wide of the goal. And I mean, it would be, it would be something everyone would be, would have seen if he had scored. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> Hey, check out this almost coast to coast goal. Um, <laughs> but I mean that, and even in that, in that moment, he really showed his, uh, just how dangerous he can be. But I feel like we haven't completely seen, like, I mean, he has he has some goals and everything, but I feel like we haven't. I think he had the one goal uh, game where he had two goals off the bench. He probably could have scored six, you know, kind of one of those games. Mm. But um, I would say they absolutely have to use one of the five on him just because they don't have any other. I mean, they have him, Fafa, and Casper, and Casper is also an international. But then they don't have anybody on the bench to to come in. So I think, I think Jim's going to have to use and then figure out what combination of the two he's going to start. And then the other will come in. So I, th- I would be very surprised if you don't see uh, Santos in that game on, on Wednesday. Um, I noticed, you know, over the past few weeks, the recent results have been good getting wins. You know, the comeback against the Red Bulls was uh, at least to me enjoyable uh, that that ended with Philly winning rather than the Red Bulls. Um, but on the other hand, I look over these last four games and I see eight goals conceded in that time. Um, is that just a consequence of taking more risk with the press or has that been defensive issues that have been giving away goals? Yeah, I mean, that, that is a that is a concerning uh, factor. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, one of the things is, you know, I don't, you, know you don't want to be the guy in your fan base to like, or cold water on any when the team's doing well, but I think there, it does sort of speak to some of the underlying concerns. And you know, you can also talk about you know strength of schedule. You can talk about uh, you know players missing on the other team when they've done well, not missing when they haven't done as well, or you know, there's a lot of different things. But I think that is one uh, one area because 
you know, I was talking to Jack Elliott recently, and one of the things he said to me, obviously, he's a defender, he's going to say this, but, you know, the, 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 the team defense has been the key to them, you know, kind of having this, like you said, surgeons more than a resurgence. Mm. Um, and so I think <laughs> there's, uh, you know, there are, there are, you know, that is a sign of you know some that there's the, the, the of concern that they're they're conceding that many goals, but also that people are getting more film on them and seeing uh, seeing what's happening. I mean, I think when you saw Seattle, uh, you saw Seattle, Portland, Colorado all come into Town Energy Stadium, and they they only got they only got two points out of that that three game homestand. There was a lot of concern coming from that in the in the sense that you know teams teams that just sit back. And, and we'll sit back and defend and that's a problem. And then, you know, yeah, they came back and they, they beat the Red Bulls. But if you look at that first half, there was a lot wrong, a lot going wrong for them in that first half. It wasn't like, I mean, I think what makes it exciting is anytime a team comes back from a deficit at halftime and, and in the, the way that they did it with El Senio sort of just taking the game over, um, you know, that's the, it, you know, it's easy to forget. Okay. The first half was not great. And, you know, the first goal, it was, you know, I turned to someone sitting next to me. I was like, you know, did anybody challenge anything on that play? <laughs> you know, it was like three passes and bam in the back of the net without, with, with very little uh, pressure being applied to the person with the ball. So I think the, 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 the idea of what they're trying to do in the system is that, you know, it's supposed to be a kind of a, you know, ball winning, ball hunting, you know, pressuring the ball all the time, team defending. And when you see goals like that and, you know, not taking anything away from Kaku and finish and just the way that play developed um, for their first goal, you know, it, it does say, oh, you know, you know, there's work, there's work to be done for this team. And, how will they hold up playing New York City FC twice, playing DC United essentially three times? If you, you know, counting the Open Cup game this week, you know, how is that? How is that all going to shake out? And what, you know, what more is there they have to do? And um, I think I think they, there's still quite a lot of questions that have to be answered for this to be a first place team. I think they've pretty well shown that they're a playoff team, and that they're even possibly a, a a team that will hang around in the playoffs for more than one <laughs> a cameo as they have in previous years. I think not playing at Yankee stadium would be helpful for them uh, for this season in the playoffs. But um, you know, that's, that's something I think that, you know, if we want to talk about like, what's the difference between DC United and Philadelphia union right now, I think, I mean, I would still say DC United, um, it, it, you know, we're, we're certainly not happy that we drew DC United for first round or fourth round U.S. Open Cup game. We'll say that. Uh, man, I know you're you're big in watching the developmental levels. Um, players coming up with Bethlehem through the academy, um, even some guys that they've picked out um, through the college ranks. Um, kind of a big success story. You mentioned uh, Marco Fabian's been unavailable. Uh, Brendan Aronson is who's been getting those starts. Um, tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, Brendan has been. Uh, I mean, he, like I said, he's probably played one of his. Probably didn't play his best game against Red Bulls. We'll say that. Um, I, I, I would. I think there were a number of times where the field kind of let him down <laughs> in mm-hmm. that game as well. I think the field let a lot of players down, but particularly Brendan had had some 
some opportunities where the field, you could just see the grass kind of just come out from under him. And, uh, but no, he's someone who, you know, I've been, I've been watching for, I mean, gosh, since he was like 14 or 15. And he is, you know, someone that obviously the organization is really high on. I think, uh, you're going to, you're going to start, you're going to continue to hear more and more about him as he, as he progresses through the season. You know, that first season in MLS is always a, it's always an interesting one where, you know, he comes out, he scores a goal against Atlanta in his first game. I mean, you know, it doesn't like it does story, the storybook can't be written any better than that. If you're, you're for a homegrown player from, from South Jersey across the river from where the union play and he, you know, hasn't scored since then. I think that's been kind of the, the one question mark about him. That's, that's really dogged him since his early days in the, or not early days, but like more recent days in the Academy is, can he score goals? Um, he's he's a he's just a really shifty player in terms of he's really good on the ball and he's he's you know he I mean he's made he makes passes that are you know you just you look at and in awe and you know he had a great season last year at Bethlehem Steel did get did get um, did find the back of the net for them a couple times but you know that's one area of his game I think that needs to develop but. The thing that, that has made him successful this season and, and really forced forced the hand for him to start is just his work rate and his his ability in transition. I mean, you, you watch this kid get the ball on a steal or just a turnover, and he is like his first his first play, his first vision is finding someone downfield, and you know he does it. Uh, you know, possibly better than anyone else on the team who's who's older than him right now. So. I think he has a lot of his huge upside. I think that, I mean, I always say to people like, I don't know how long he is for the union. You know, it's like, he's like that kind of player where you're like, um, if he continues where he's at, I mean, the progression has been huge in like the last two years. Um, if that continues, then, um, you know, he's going to be someone that you'll hear, you'll hear even more about, um, you know, and transfer rumors and, and, and all those, all those sorts of things. Matt, I have a question I like to ask at the end of, of every segment where we have someone on to, to preview a DC United opponent, and that's to to put you basically in Ben Olsen's technical area. If you found yourself having to game plan against the Union, you're planning to take them on, just say in an Open Cup game, what would you be focusing on? What would you be trying to do, and what would you be trying to take away from the Union? So, I mean, I would definitely, I would definitely take a look at what, Seattle and and Portland did maybe even more so Portland because they got they got three goals against the Union so I'd be looking at that and I'd be I'd be looking at how to um, you know how to to sort of neutralize uh, what they're trying to do in terms of what you know you know they're trying to get they're trying to force mistakes they're trying to get you to to, to create those transition moments where they can just quickly counter and quickly um, you know, get, get on your goal. And then I would, I would just really prepare. I would really prepare for, uh, I don't know how you do, but find a way to figure, <laughs> prepare for El Sino, knowing that like, so you kind of have to win the first 60 minutes. Right. And then, and then just hold on and, 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 and try to stop El Sino. That, that's sort of been the, 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 the pattern, um, of late is that, you know, if you don't con- if you don't concede to the union in the first sixty minutes, then you know all the more reason that Jim's going to turn Del Senior to try to um, unlock your defense. So 
uh, you know, I think uh, that's kind of vague, but I, I just, um, you know, I just feel like the, the, the formula so far has been if you put, if you put guys behind the ball, uh, you know, and then, and then you, you know, you look for that counter attack, you try to get, I mean, you know, Blake, Blake and trusty, uh, you know, the goal, the second goal that Brian White scored to chip, you know, Blake's coming off his line, hesitates, you know, it was, it was kind of a mess of a goal, uh, for the, for the defense. So I think if you can, if you can get going the other way and catch, uh, you know, catch, well, trusty won't be in this game, but catch the, the defenders, uh, running backwards and, you know, Using using some of the skills you have for amongst your player, you know your your skill set skill skill players. I think you can, I think you can, uh, you know, put put the put the union on their on their back heel a little bit, and then, um, and then just keep, uh, you know, like I said, watch out for El Cino. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out what happens Wednesday night down on Buzzard Point. Matt, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks tell for our listeners. Me. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? So, uh, brother, the game at brother, the game is the site, uh, site I'm involved in. And then uh, at Matt Ralph underscore TPG is uh, on Twitter. All right. Find us at black and red united.com. We're on Twitter at filibuster DCU at black and red. U. Uh, if you want to support us financially, do that at patreoncom slash filibuster. Uh, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave ratings and reviews. I have that written down. I still don't understand why, but I'm told it actually does something. I'd really appreciate it if you just told a friend about the show. That's the the best way to get the word out. For Jason and Ben, and thanking Matt one more time, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Estefania Benini.